It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of The Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, and I am here again with my fake black friend, white boy, Malcolm X. And can you believe it, sir? This is our our last podcast of the year, and I think actually it is our 25th podcast since we we resumed in August, so we are like a quarter century old in terms of podcasts. We have done 25 of these puppies over the last couple of months, with many, many more to come next year. And I hope everyone has had a, a good recovery from, from Christmas. I know I've had a nice couple of uh, down days ever since I put Mama Frost back on an airplane. On Sunday, we did the Sunday show, and then Monday and yesterday, I did absolutely nothing. And uh, even into uh, the middle of today, this uh, glorious Wednesday, the 30th, tomorrow is, of course, New Year's Eve. And then Friday, unfortunately, starts dry January. (laughs) Yes, sir, I am actually going to start dry January. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I am starting dry January on Friday the 1st. And I I do this every year, folks. I, I go, I don't know, it depends. There are some years where I manage to make it only a few weeks before I'm like, I, I can't take this anymore <laughs> sober. Uh, and there are other times where I've, I've gone into like mid-March. I'm like, yeah, I'm just kind of on a good roll. I just kind of, uh, you know, wing it for a little bit. Just we'll see how long it how it goes. Uh, I will apologize in advance if on, um, on Sunday I'm a little bit cranky. But hey, you get what you get with uh, dry January. Anyway, before I forget, let's go ahead and let you know a couple ways to get hold of me. My email is miller at millerfrostonline.com. My Twitter handle, still not suspended. I'm only down to two suspensions, but, you know, we'll work on that for next year. At Miller Frost Show is my handle there. And on Parler, my my, uh, handle there is at Miller Frost. And I actually just today launched a website or I should say uh, my own website on on uh, patron.com, and that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, and you can access my my site there at patron.com slash millerfrost, all one word, all lowercase. I'm going to start doing, I, I did these probably about 20 years ago. I, I used to write a weekly column, and that was kind of during that explosion of those independent websites, and I distributed it to probably about four or five different websites back in the day. And I just, I wound up giving that up, but I want to start that back. And this is also an opportunity to uh, post, you know, these, uh, these podcasts on there as well, in addition to um, other creative endeavors that I am experimenting with. So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. 
Uh, but it, you're more than welcome to go over there and join. It is subscription-based, and there are a number of tiers there. But I won't plug it too much today, but there's not much on there. In fact, there's nothing on there just yet. I'm uh, finishing up my first column. Hope to have that published on, on Friday. And we'll also post this podcast as well. And then I'll try to figure out a way to be able to post all the other podcasts on there so that those of you who subscribe to that service can have access to the entire Miller Frost Library good or bad. So let's go ahead and jump in. I have exactly, exactly 20 stories, three of which, not one, not two folks, but three of which are smoking gun stories. So we're looking at a sizable percentage of, some of them are very short though, and we, but we are ending, I think, I believe we are ending on, let me cheat real quick. Yes, we are ending on a Louisiana smoking gun story just for my summit mistress. But let's dig into the first. Yes, white boy Malcolm X gay is first. Smoking gun is last. Those are the rules. Everything else is kind of a hodgepodge in between. This is from Pink News. And how about this for a starting headline on our last podcast of the year? RuPaul finally changes iconic drag race catchphrase to be more inclusive to trans and non-binary queens. And right off the bat, folks, I'm already getting irritated because I take offense at that. A queen is a queen. A queen is a gay man. I don't care what you want to call yourself, but a queen is a gay man. And I am tired of, if you want to call yourself a woman and you're really just a man in a wig and a dress, go for it. I don't really care. But a queen is a queen. And I am not going to ever, ever move off of that as a definition in my lifetime. But let's find out a little bit more about what RuPaul is doing. And before I begin this, White Boy Malcolm X, have you ever actually watched RuPaul's Drag Race? I don't see you as the... No, I, did, I didn't think you would. <laughs> I did not think you would. I've actually inadvertently stumbled into an episode. I was out at a bar when I lived in downtown Boston. And you were not there at the time, obviously. But they were. that was on the TV. They were playing it. So I got to watch about, I don't know, 20 minutes of that train wreck before it had enough. And I left. But it was on. And that is a hot mess of a show. So let's find out what's going on here with the drag race catchphrase being changed. RuPaul has made an important change to an iconic drag race catchphrase to be more inclusive to trans and non-binary contestants across 12 seasons and countless spin-offs. Holy crap! That is a lot of drag queens, folks. Nearly every episode of the reality TV show has featured the line, Gentlemen, start your engines, and may the best woman win. However, a preview of the show's 13th season which officially launches on 1 January, revealed that the line has been switched up. In its place, RuPaul opts for the more inclusive racers start your engines and may the best drag queen win. RuPaul, sister girlfriend, I'm sure your producers are putting a freaking boot on your neck to do this. <laughs> that sucks, honey. You need to come up with something a little bit better. Just saying. The more inclusive language recognizes the fact that not every contestant on the show is a cisgender man, and not all of their drag personas are specifically women, with a number of trans and non-binary drag race alum, and plenty more who use drag to explore gender fluidity. So apparently, folks, on a show called Drag Race, which to me, I know I'm an old fuddy-duddy at 51, but in my day, a drag queen was a man in a wig and a dress. And now I guess... <laughs> Like everything else these days, it's whatever the hell you want it to be. RuPaul previously amended the catchphrase to ladies and gentlemen start your engines 
on spin-off series All-Stars 4 for episodes featuring returning queen Gia Gunn, who had come out as a trans woman after her original Drag Race run. So I assume that Gia Gunn was a man dressed as a woman and just came right out of... <laughs> just said, screw it, I'm not pretending anymore. It's, it is who I am. Well, good for you, Gia. This time around, contestants and fans are hoping the more inclusive language sticks after years of questions over the status of trans and non-binary contestants on the series. One fan wrote, It's about time. Season 13 really is changing the game. Noting that the show's slowness to adapt, another added, This is so important! Exclamation point. I'm so glad RuPaul is finally taking accountability and being responsible for his queer audience. Season 13 features the first trans man to appear on the show, Gottmik. While, yes, that is the name, folks, G-O-T-T-M-I-K, Gottmik, probably German. While the upcoming second season of Drag Race UK, so this crap is everywhere, features two non-binary queens. (laughs) Never thought I'd say that in my lifetime. It's not the first time Drag Race has changed a long-running line. The show axed RuPaul's catchphrase, You've got she-mail in 2015. <laughs> After complaints, it was, yes folks, transphobic, replacing it with the oblique, she done, already done, had hearses. Whatever the hell that means, okay. <laughs> Here, one last paragraph. A year before, producers banned the use of the transphobic slur tranny on the show, also prompting anger from RuPaul, who suggested judges use granny in its place, because we can't say it with a T anymore. Oh my, bless his heart. I do like RuPaul. I've uh, He's been around since, I think, the 90s, White Boy Malcolm X. He's been around forever, and I'm, I'm glad that he is um, banging out drag race all over the globe. But uh, I guess anyone can be a drag queen in this day and age. This is a Fox News story, and how's this for a headline? Arkansas far-left journalist among four charged in BLM firebombings of police vehicles. A far-left journalist working in Arkansas was among four... Can you imagine being that white? (laughs) The only liberal in Arkansas was among four suspects formerly charged last week in connection with the firebombings of police vehicles during Black Lives Matter protests during the summer, according to reports. Federal authorities allege that Renee Bach Goddard, 22... Look at this hysterical chick, white boy Malcolm X. Look at her. Man, she is a hot mess. Was associated with a group that tossed Molotov cocktails towards Little Rock Police Department vehicles on August 25th as a large crowd demonstrated outside the department's 12th Street substation, the post-millennial reported. The four suspects were arrested following a months-long investigation by the Federal Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, the report said, citing a December 17th news release from the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of Arkansas. Today's arrest sends a message that violence targeted towards law enforcement will not be tolerated. U.S. Attorney, that is a first, folks. U.S. Attorney Cody Hilland stated in the release, according to Fox 16 of Little Rock, breaking into a police compound and firebombing a police vehicle with a homemade explosive device is clearly not a peaceful protest. U.S. Attorney Hilland. I think that really depends on where you're at, sir. If you are in Portland, it is absolutely. If you are in Portland and you barricade police inside a building and set it on fire, that is a peaceful protest. Apparently not in Arkansas. (laughs) 
But let's find out a little bit more about this young lady. Goddard was previously arrested and charged with obstructing government operations in violation of a local curfew during a BLM protest on June 2nd, with a court appearance scheduled for January 22nd in that case. Man, this chick likes to get arrested. The journalist has worked at KUAR Public Radio in Little Rock, contributed to the LGBTQ news outlet Autostraddle, whatever the hell that is, and interned for Arkansas Public Media after attending the University of Arkansas at Little Rock, according to the report. Photos of Goddard posted online included an image of her in a nun-like outfit with a see-through top and slit-open leather skirt. She is a very classy young lady, folks. As more and more white supremacists try to rebrand themselves, journalists have a responsibility to be vigilant, Goddard wrote in 2019 on the new site Truthout. There needs to be... Yeah, I bet. There needs to be an end to this farce that neutrality necessitates taking a centrist position. Well, I actually, folks, I do feel sorry for Renee because I'm sure she thought that she could just get away with this because, hey, everyone gets away with it everywhere. You can go to New York, you can go to Portland, you can go to Seattle, you can do it in Chicago, pick a city, Atlanta, and you can ride at will and chances are you will not be prosecuted. But those folks in Arkansas do not screw around. She she made the stupid mistake of playing this game of dopey riding chick, hysterical protester in a red state. <laughs> and now she's going to hopefully do some time in jail. Idiot. Maybe she'll learn. Probably not. This is a New York Post headline. And how's this, white boy Malcolm X? Man beaten with hard iced tea, and folks, if you don't know what hard iced tea is, that's boozy iced tea, after saying N-word to gas station customer. A wild viral video shows a white man being smacked in the face with a can of twisted tea at an Ohio gas station after he repeatedly calls a black customer the N-word. The clip begins with the belligerent customer spewing profanity at the other man behind him in line, threatening to perform a sexual act on his mother, good God, and hurling the racist slur seven times. After 45 seconds of standing his ground, the man being berated smacks the loudmouth in the face with the large can of the alcoholic iced tea that he's holding. Well, I tell you what, white boy Malcolm X, he must have had the patience of Job to put up with that crap for 45 seconds before finally smacking that cracker. The fight continues on the ground where the teetoting customer easily wrestles his smaller opponent into submission while pummeling him in the head five times and fastidiously asking him to call him the N-word again. <laughs> the man then puts the aggressor into a wrestling mood before finally laying him on the floor and walking away while saying, I asked you not to call me a N-word. The beatdown happened at, of course, folks, A Circle K, in the city of Elira, according to a local newspaper, the Chronicle Telegram. Local cops told the paper it was not reported to police. <laughs> well, I don't know who, who was involved that would go to the police. Um, that stupid cracker. Let's be frank, folks. He, he got what he deserved. I can't believe the other guy had for, uh, the patience to wait, wait 45 seconds for serving him a beatdown. But I guess that pansy little uh, white guy who got his uh, butt, butt beaten to the ground. Wasn't going to tattletale, and neither was the guy smacking him. I wonder if he got his iced tea. <laughs> he deserved it for free after that. Oh, mercy. Here's a queerity story, and here's the headline. Justin Timberlake 
stars in drama about gender nonconforming child. <laughs> That's right, folks. A apparently a transgender child, and Justin Timberlake. Bless his heart. He cannot act his way out of a paper bag, but he is still trying. We got to give him credit for that. A full trailer for Justin Timberlake's next Scream role has been released. Did you know White Boy Malcolm X? Let me hold on a second, folks. Did you know that I remember what was that stupid uh, Facebook movie? The Social Network. Uh, yeah, yeah. He. I read an article about that the movie and him, and apparently he was thinking he was going to get the Oscar for that role. That's how clueless this poor guy is. Bless his heart again. So let's pick this back up. A full trailer for Justin Timberlake's next screen role has been released. Palmer comes to Apple TV Plus on January 29th. So we can watch that here. We get drunk and, oh crap, it's dry January. So screw that. I can't watch this because I'm not doing that sober. In the movie, Timberlake, 39. Damn, he is 39 already plays Jimmy Palmer, an ex-convict and former college football phenomenon, trying to get back on his feet after being released from jail. Palmer unexpectedly becomes involved with looking after an abandoned child whose mom has left town. The movie will also feature Juno Temple, Oscar nominee June Squibb, Alicia Wainwright with seven... I've heard of none of these people, with seven-year-old writer Allen making his movie debut as the youngster Sam. In the trailer, we see Palmer returning to his hometown following his release from prison. He's introduced to Sam, and the two get to know one another, with Palmer noting the bullying Sam attracts at school. Kids are mean, especially when they see something they ain't used to seeing. Palmer warns Sam. You see Justin Timberlake uh, delivering that line, who shows a liking for things some others typically associate with girls, including dressing as a princess for Halloween. Hmm. Well, I don't know what to say about that, except, folks, that I hope that Ryder Allen is not faking this, that they, that he is actually a transgender in the making, because we certainly don't want any cultural appropriation going on, because we know that the only people that can play a certain role are the people who are that role. So we had the story about a month or two ago where there was a movie that had a character who was in a wheelchair. And so what do those the producers do? We need someone who's in a wheelchair who can act to play the role because they didn't want an actress. Their job is to play someone that they're not. They didn't want an actress playing someone who was in a wheelchair. They actually went out. That was their first criteria. Not can they act. Are they in a wheelchair? Yes. Okay, then can they act? And they found someone and apparently whatever. But I, we just want to make sure. And then we've had, I don't know how many instances of people getting very upset. Vigo Morganson got in a little bit of trouble for playing gay for pay. And, of course, the one we love to talk about here is that stupid movie, Call Me By Your Name, with Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet. So those two got in trouble because they were both playing gay for pay as well. And yes, White Boy Malcolm X, I only like to refer to that just so I can say Timothy Chalamet. That, uh, whatever he is. So anyway, there you go, folks. If you have Apple TV+, Plus, you can watch Justin Timberlake attempt to act with a uh, kid in a princess dress. This is a Breitbart story, and another, another NBA coach is getting in on the whipping himself over being white shtick that they do. We had that, that story a couple months ago, I think it was the coach of Boston, I think it was here in Boston, who was complaining you know, about white, white privilege and all that. But here's another one. 
Here's the headline. Pelicans coach Stan Van Grundy calls himself poster boy for white privilege. And like I said, I said this, um, I said this on Sunday. White liberals cannot help but brag to the rest of us how much privilege they got. And apparently this guy has so much white privilege. He's got more than you and I put together, white boy Malcolm X, because he is a poster boy for white privilege. Let's find out what this dope has to say. Millionaire New Orleans... Oh, this is another Louisiana story for our summit mistress. (laughs) Millionaire New Orleans Pelicans coach Stan Van Gundy has declared himself the poster boy for white privilege in his best effort to prove he is a top NBA social justice warrior. Man, those folks are all over it. They want to all be the top social justice warrior in the NBA. On the tale of the least viewed NBA season in league history, hmm, I wonder why. The 2021 season is now underway with ratings still tanking. ESPN's Mark J. Spears checked in with the relatively new Pelicans coach to discuss his social justice campaigning. Right at the outset, Van Gundy burnished his social justice credentials and declared that all white people are abject racists. Ah, damn. Here we go. We're the ones that are racist, Van Grundy explained. It's a white person's problem that affects people of color, so we're the ones who have to change. Certainly, you want to promote black voices, right? And folks, he said capital B black, so he was definitely talking about real black people. Not you, white boy Malcolm X, being fake black. But if they're the only ones speaking out, a lot of people just push it aside. There needs to be people saying, no, wait a minute, this is wrong, and we need to correct these things. Van Gundy then tried on some self-deprecation, saying he's a perfect example of institutional racism. I can't, I can't believe the Pelicans haven't fired this schmuck. <laughs> he's running around talking about being a racist and having white privilege. They should throw his ass out. I'm a poster boy for white privilege, Van Gundy continued. I've led a privileged life. Yeah, you keep telling us. So I only know about these issues and these problems and these inequities from people I've been associated with, work with, know, care about. I don't carry the issue, but just because something doesn't happen to you, if it's happening to people you know, if it's happening to people you care about, you care about the issue. Van Gundy inserted himself into the left-wing Black Lives Matter narrative before he even joined the Pelicans. Indeed, he was so overt for his support of far-left activism that the NBA included him on the league's NBA Coaches for Racial Justice Committee early this year even though he was then unemployed after having been let go by the Detroit Pistons in 2018. Can you bet how much fun they're having on that committee? Van Gundy also slammed lower-income white people who don't feel that they have any of this so-called white privilege. So you poor white people out there, listen up. This millionaire prima donna, Stan Van Gundy's got a message for you. They don't have money, Van Gundy said of whites, who disagree with the whole white privilege narrative. They're working their ass off just to get by, and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? There's no such thing as white. I'm not privileged. You may not have an easy life, but you're not oppressed simply because of the color of your skin. That's the difference. I'm not going to get pulled over driving around at night. I'm not just because of the color of my skin. I'm not going to get a DWB. That's driving while black, folks. And that's capital B black, so you really are driving while black. I'm not. That's white privilege. There you go. There is this douchebag poster boy. I do wonder, though, white boy Malcolm X, what I wonder what his players are thinking. These guys going around, oh, I'm, I'm a racist. I, I've got white privilege. 
I am so privileged. Blah, 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 blah. I wonder if they're like, what the hell is this stupid cracker? <laughs> Why won't he shut his stupid mouth? He sucks as a coach anyway. There you go. Enjoy yourself, Stan. We don't think you're a jerk. Here we go with more dumb white people. This is a... Man, we had a, we had a run of them, didn't we? We had uh, that stupid cracker using the N-word nonstop. We had uh, dopey Justin Timberlake thinking he can act, and he can't. And then we've got coach Stan Van Gundy whipping himself for being white. And now, now here's this headline from Daily Wire. Arrested development star David Cross, who has got this hobo jack thing going on, responds to Biden's call for unity. F that, I want blood. (laughs) That pansy, I'd like to see him try. After a year of pain and loss, it's time to unite, heal, and rebuild. Creepy Uncle Joe tweeted on Saturday. F that, I want blood, Cross responded. Cross, issuing an obvious call to violence, still has not been censored by Twitter. Which, well, that kind of annoys me, folks, personally, because, let's face it, I got a 12-hour suspension from Twitter for making a joke about if that that little chinless gun rights kid, David Hogg, showed up my house, what would I do? And I said I would smack him across the face and send him crying back to his mama. And that was just kind of a hypothetical. And I got a 12-hour suspension. This guy wants literally wants blood and uh, nothing. Well, that's Twitter for you. Why am I shocked? The Arrested Development star later accused MAGA chuds of engaging in the same type of violent fantasy trolling. I am loving the responses to this that are all come and try. I'm not going to say that word here. It um, It's like kitty cat, but not kitty cat. Come and try kitty cat, soy lib, Hollywood girl woman as if these anonymous MAGA chuds and chudettes don't practice the same exact feckless violent fantasy trolling he tweeted. It's like a child. What did you tell in the wake, well, because in, folks, because on Twitter, if a conservative says something like that, they get like banned for life, and he gets it, and he probably got a blue check mark. In the wake of the election, some Trump opponents have taken the opportunity to threaten his supporters with harsh draconian punishment, no different than a McCarthyite blacklist. The sentiment apparently started when Representative AOC, that ditzy bartender with the IQ of a cocktail olive called for an archive of Trump sycophants. Other prominent leftists agreed that Trump supporters should be shamed and pushed aside. If you're a Trumper, I hope the pain and anxiety you feel now is excruciating. You voted against America and for a cult leader who has no redeeming or admirable qualities. He's a cretin who cares nothing about this country, and you don't either. You deserve all the pain and more, tweeted former MSNBC host Touré, whoever that is. Never forget all of these enablers, tweeted Scrub Star Zach Braff, whoever, oh, I know who that is. That guy's a dork. And then there's hashtag remember who said nothing from that idiot Chris Evans. Captain America. There you go, folks. David Cross calling for blood. Republican conservative blood. This is a sad story. It's a New York Post story and how's this for a headline? Gay and transgender children more likely to be obese, study finds. And folks, I don't know whether they mean normal obese, like like really fat, or gay obese, which is just kind of like a dad bod. You're not really fat, but you know, you're you're gay obese. And I explained that was that Sunday? I think I don't know. It all blends together. I think it was Sunday. 
because I said that I was I went from gay fat, which is straight thin, to gay obese, which is dad bod, after eating you know for five days with uh, Mama Frost. But apparently, gay. Were you a fat kid, white boy Malcolm X? I I was a I was a little bit of a chunkster back. <laughs> I got what? Well, I would say junior high, high school. I was not fat. I was not like round. I was just I was I was not like. A lot of kids, because they have such high metabolisms, are just like they're like sticks. But but not me. I was I ate a lot. But uh, I'm an emotional eater. When I get uh, I've gotten a lot better with that. But I am uh, I can be an emotional eater if I get high stress. Well, I don't know how I'm going to do dry January, so I'll probably put on ten pounds. But <laughs> we'll see about that. But there is actually, folks, there's an interesting book, and it's called which helped me uh, many years ago. So when I left my uh, my ex uh, about twelve years ago, I was really heavy you know i kind of ate and drank my way through the end of that relationship and but i had to take it off and obviously and i taken it off and kept it off for for over a decade now but uh, i read a really good book it's called you are not your brain and it talks about the links between those sorts of behaviors like overeating over drinking gambling whatever it is and and uh alleviating anxiety so if you're anxious and you say have a couple beers all of a sudden your brain just kind of links up alcohol consumption and and relief from anxiety and so you know when you get anxious again what does your body want to do oh let's go drink that helped the last time and so you kind of get into this vicious cycle and so it talks about decoupling you're never going to kind of fully uncouple that but the book talks about just kind of forcing yourself to sit with the emotion okay i'm anxious but i'm not going to uh to do that and you kind of reduce the instinct to to go and 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 utilize the self-destroying behavior to relieve anxiety so that's that works for me so I, I there are days where i'm super stressed and i just sit there with it because it's like okay i'm not gonna go stuff my face with a carrot cake or something like that. and yes white boy malcolm x carrot cake is cake i don't care what you say there's a link between kids sexual or gender identity and obesity a new study has found that gay bisexual and transgender children are the most vulnerable to obesity and binge eating disorders and we just had a story on sunday about how gay people were disproportionately affected and having money problems over COVID, over the straight people. Now they're, now they're all the little gay, bisexual, and uh, transgender children. I don't know. They're all tubbies, I guess. About 12,000 American children with the average age of 10 answered a virtual questionnaire in a new study published this month in the journal JAMA Pediatrics. And how, white boy Malcolm X, does a 10-year-old know they're bisexual? I mean... Gay, yeah, I can see. I mean, I kind of look back. I, I wasn't even really thinking about sex at 10 years old. I guess I was a slow learner, but I, I was not. The last thing on my mind at 10 years old was was um, was um sex. Now, when you get to like 13 or 14, the hormones kick in, all that kind of fun stuff. But I don't know who at 10 years old is like, I'm a bisexual. <laughs> I want to do everyone when, when things start working down there correctly. God. But apparently, apparently there are kids out there who... um who think that way. God bless. The scientists at Maryland's Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences quiz the kids on their age, sexuality, race, socioeconomic status, weight, and eating habits. From the results, they determined that kids who self-identify as sexual or gender minorities were more likely to be obese. I'm a, I'm a minority. I'm a sexual minority. Hmm. The 1.6% who answered yes or maybe on a question asking them if they were gay, bisexual, or transgender were 3.5 times more at risk of having a binge eating disorder, the Daily Mail reported. 
five of these children were found to have disordered binge eating compared to 129 of the children who identified as heterosexual or cisgendered. No correlation was found between sexual or gender identity and bulimia or anorexia, however. Readers should keep in mind, researchers acknowledge, the fact that most children will continue to develop their sense of gender and sexual identity over time. So we might get more of those bisexuals who will do anyone. It could get worse. Racially, researchers found that minority children were twice as likely to be obese as white children. So they are, again, disproportionately, disproportionately affected. Fat little minority gay kids running around town. I thought that there were all these food deserts. I mean, that was what um, Michelle Obama kept telling everyone, that there are all these food deserts. These poor kids can't... uh, can't eat. They're all starving. Half of them are on school lunch programs because they starve at home without it. And apparently they're still fat and tubby and running around. Nine, nine and ten-year-old bisexuals. Good God. What will they think of next? This is from Red State. How's this for a headline? University of Michigan resorts to special education in banning words deemed inoffensive, such as picnic. Hmm. If you thought during the Christmas week the social activists would take a holiday break, and if you listen to my podcast on Sunday, you would know they don't. What did I say? They are like the Terminator. They never stop. They do not take a break. They just keep coming. You are incorrect. Well, we know that. A release from the IT department at the University of Michigan has just identified a list of words and phrases they declare need to be expunged and changed with acceptable alternatives. Really? The IT department, folks. Yes, White Boy Malcolm X does have a a good point that computer nerds, are generally these dopey pajama boy leftist kids, would be infesting an IT department. So that, that probably does make sense here, that the IT department is where the woke folk are, as well at the University of Michigan. The College Fix found the lengthy memorandum released by the Department of IT Woke Folk which includes three dozen terms, alternate words and phrases, the naming of artifacts, cultural development within the organization, the creation of an advisory board, and a list of next steps. You already can get a sense of how this goes awry. Now, look at who is generating this missive. The Vice President for Information Technology and Chief Information Officer at the University of Michigan, who introduced this memo, comes from the Words Matter Task Force, which partnered with the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. Good God, it's getting worse. The findings are not only insepid, but in one case, there is a complete avoidance of facts to couple with the departure from common sense. To go with expected offenses, which use words like men or man, or those implying race or color, there are others which defy logic. Brown bag, in reference to a lunch, is off limits, also, we find grandfathered in for some reason. Hey, we talked about that in August. I think it was our first podcast. We talked about in Massachusetts, they, they got rid of the phrase, the, uh, the Massachusetts Supreme Court, or whatever they call it here, banned the phrase grandfather because it was racist. Uh, so that's why you folks at Red State, Brad Slager is the, um, the writer of this article. So let's pick that back up. Also, we find grandfathered in for some reason, as well as long time no see. But one is particularly groan-inducing and should bring shame to the university. (laughs) You don't know college universities these days. There is no shame. The task force declared the word picnic as another in need of being expunged from the language. Why? 
that is less clear. The claim is offensiveness is actually rooted in some very old email chains that stated the word derived from public lynchings where crowds would gather in a festive manner for those violent events. Except this was proven incorrect. Again, Brad, they don't care at the universities these days. If the story sounds good, they'll take it. The etymology derives from French back in the 1600s for a collection of numerous people who come together and contribute food to the gathering. This was an accessible research definition, and yet the word is still banned by a committee at a major university, even after some were made aware of the accurate origins of the word. Again, Brad, they don't care. When a learning institution displays a fundamental inability to conduct basic research like this and then follow the normal course of action of chasing off these social scolds, all while still resorting to useless political correctness to fix a non-existent problem, it reflects poorly on the institution. Brad, too late for that. And that reminds me of, I mean, there are like 50,000 examples, but the one that pops in my head is from... I think it's been about 20 years. It's been a while, but there was a a white guy who was some assistant at on, for a member of the D.C. City Council, and it was during a budget negotiation, and he used the term niggardly, which has nothing to do with the N-word. It means to be stingy or cheap or something like that, and it is not even spoke. But the fact that it has N-I-G-G as the start of the word, people lost their minds, and the poor guy, had to resign over using a word that had nothing to do with the N-word, but kind of sounded like the N-word. And people got hysterical over it, just over that. And I believe they rehired him, or he got his job back at some point. But the fact that he used a word that had nothing to do with the N-word, but it sounded like the N-word, and he had to, like, temporarily quit. But that is just how these people roll. They don't care about the facts. Speaking of, of Massachusetts... I am not going to get into this too much. This is a Washington Times article, and here is the headline. Massachusetts expands late-term abortion access with override of Charlie Baker's veto. Measure lowers parental consent requirement from 18 to 16. Let's find out more about that very briefly, because quite frankly, I don't want to talk too much about abortion. The Massachusetts legislature, which is a clown, clown company if there ever was one, on Tuesday, overrode Republican Governor Charlie Baker's veto of legislation establishing a right to abortion and expanding access to late-term procedures as blue states erect a pro-choice firewall against a conservative-trending Supreme Court. Beginning today, pregnant people who once faced near-insurmountable barriers accessing abortion care can now seize the right to control their own bodies, said Democratic State Senator Harriet Chandler, the bill's Senate sponsor, in a statement. In addition, and this, folks, is what gets me, to enshrining a right to abortion in state law, the Massachusetts bill lowers from 18 to 16 the age at which patients may undergo abortions without parental consent, allows abortions after 24 weeks gestation in cases of fatal fetal abnormalities, and to preserve the patient's physical or mental health and permits nurse practitioners and nurse midwives to terminate pregnancies. So if you folks... I have a 16-year-old daughter, and she is doing the nasty with some, I guess it would have to be a boy, a cisgender boy. (laughs) Can't just be some girl who thinks she's a boy. She's doing the nasty with some boy, and he knocks her up. She can go and get herself an abortion, and you will never know about it. And I'm sure that as a taxpayer in the state of Massachusetts, I will pay for that. 
I'm done with that story. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Man, White Boy Malcolm X. This is a Summit Mistress episode if there ever was one. How's this? This is from The Mirror. Although she's going to have to get on a plane and go to go to Great Britain for this one. Krispy Kreme announced new vegan original glazed donut launching soon. And I hope it tastes better than that fake social justice warrior Colin Kaepernick's crappy whatever that stupid Ben and Jerry's ice cream is he has. Calling all vegans and flexitarians with a sweet tooth. And folks, if you don't know what a flexitarian is, it is, um, I would say it's, it's a good analogy. It's like a bisexual. <laughs> so a, a, a flexitarian is a vegan who will eat anything. They just kind of fake about it. They mostly eat the veggies. I'll just have the veggies. But sometimes they'll have a delicious, you know, steak with blood running on it. So they're flexible about it, right? Like a bisexual. They'll do anyone and a flexitarian will eat anything. But they just, you know, they're just, they're vegan when it's convenient. Anyway, let's pick that back up. Calling all vegans and flexitarians with a sweet tooth, as do we have news you'll want to know about. With more than 2 million Brits now leading a vegan lifestyle, or a fake vegan lifestyle, depending, it seemed the time was right for Krispy Kreme UK to launch its first ever vegan donut. God, it's got to taste disgusting. The crisp, although, white boy Malcolm X, I have to say, when I said that, podcast about vegan ice cream tasting foul or like a used jock strap for Colin Kaepernick's ice cream. Some of Mr. sent me a text and she's like, no, it's actually really good. I'll take her word for it. I'm not having it, but apparently I wonder what this tastes like. Well, it's deep fried anything covered in sugar has got to taste delicious. The Krispy Kreme original glazed vegan donut will bring melt in your mouth joy to anyone who leads a vegan lifestyle or a fake vegan lifestyle or for those partaking in veganuary. What the hell is that? I guess like dry January. No booze. Veganuary is, I guess, no meat, as some 450,000 UK residents will be doing this January 2021. I think I'd rather... Oh, God, that is a good question, White Boy Malcolm. Would you give up booze or meat? Well, I knew you... you I figured you would give up... Uh, you'd give up meat. I probably would too. <laughs> Not this January, unfortunately. Inspired by the iconic fan favorite launched in 1937... The original glazed, the new Krispy Kreme original glazed vegan donut has the same great taste, light and fluffy donut texture, and signature glaze. Like I said, folks, if you just douse anything with enough sugar and you deep fry it, it will taste good. Uh, anyway, I'm done with that story. Summit Mistress, get on a plane, don't catch the COVID, and go get yourself a vegan donut. I do love the Krispy Kreme. I, I don't need a lot of donuts. I'm just not a... I just... It's too much for my stomach these days, but I'm as a kid, Krispy Kreme was all over the South, obviously, and uh, like Chick-fil-A, it's all over everywhere, and you could just go over there. I remember we would go after church and get us some Krispy Kreme donuts. You know, the, the original good, but I love the jelly donuts. I mean, that's like a like a needle of a crack in your arm to have all that sugar. Mm. Okay, this is a Washington Blades story, and how's this for a headline? Queer fans love of Wonder Woman is bulletproof and i saw that movie when did i say monday it was during my uh i had a couple had to have a couple beers but god wonder woman 1984 dumb d-u-m-b dumb with the release of wonder woman 1984 on christmas day a whole new generation of queer fans will be able to connect to the iconic dc superhero through a campy nostalgic lens something countless Gen Xers hold near and dear in their memory thanks to the 70s TV show starring Linda Carter. And who wrote this? John Paul King. And I don't know whether he goes by John or John Paul, but we'll call him John Paul. John Paul. 
just to let you know, it's not the first time Wonder Woman's been around lately. She had her own starter movie a couple years ago, and I think she was in. She's been in a couple of those stupid um, DC Comics movies. They're all they all suck. They all well, one movie I actually like the the Superman movie, the first Henry Cavill movie, whatever Superman Returns, whatever it was with them. Um, it had Russell Crowe as the, the real father, and it had Kevin Cosner as the kind of the Kansas dad. He plays like a perfect like Kansas <laughs> Kansas dad. That was a really I actually really really enjoyed the movie. I, I watched it like a month ago, just rewatched it, and um, that was good. But the rest of them just dumb, 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 dumb. And that stupid Justice League movie with uh, they had Batman and they had Superman and they had Wonder Woman was in that John Paul. She was there, and then they had the Sea King, and they had the Speed Queen. And yes, the Speed Queen, White Boy Malcolm X, that uh, whatever that, the Flash. The Flash is that that queen, he's another one that's gender fluid. I can't think of his name, that little waif. But he was not, I call him the Speed Queen. Anyway, let's find out a little bit more about this. The character herself, of course, predates that series by decades. Debuting in DC's All-Star Comics number 8 in 1941, she was quickly embraced by readers and soon became a star in her own right. Now, folks, I'm going to get into a little bit of mythology, so I'm going to do a little bit of a trigger warning here. If you are a dopey pajama boy, who a fanboy, in your mama and daddy's basement, and you love this kind of stuff, I'm about to slaughter some of these names, so I apologize in advance. If if you do that, uh, I would go ahead and get your whatever medication you need, your anti-anxiety medication. Go ahead and take that right now, because I'm about to slaughter some of these names as I read this. In official mythology, she was sculpted from clay from her mother, Queen Hippolyta. I don't know how to pronounce this. Hippolytia, whatever. What about Malcolm X? You, I know there's a nerd boy raging in his mother's basement right about now. Mama's like, what the hell's going on down there? He's probably like, this stupid queen on the podcast is, is mispronouncing Queen Hippolyta's name. <sighs> anyway, Queen Hippolyta, whatever her name is, of the island nation. Oh, God, here's another one. Themyscira. <laughs> and no, folks, I'm not mispronouncing these on purpose. I just, who comes up with this crap? What kind of drugs were they on? Anyway, and given life as an Amazon princess before joining the outside world. I'm not going to try that one again. Before joining the outside world in its battle against the Axis powers of World War II. Nazis. Those details have been retooled from time to time over the years, adapting it to the needs of an ever-evolving canon and the changing cultural tides of time, blah, blah, blah. As such, she has been embraced as a feminine icon through the early years. Many mostly male readers and critics dismissed her as a representation of the angry man-hating lesbian god. An interpretation undoubtedly stoked by both her providence as a member of an all-female society and a heavy dose of fragile masculine ego. Well, let's, I gotta skip this article, folks. My goodness, this is way too long. Here, let's, let's pick up here. While those undeniably queer roots might link directly to Wonder Woman's status as an LGBTQ fan favorite, they still don't explain why gay men find the character so compelling, particularly since history was largely unknown, for reasons that should be obvious, for much of her near eight-decade existence. Queer critics, theorists, and scholars, of course, have provided volumes of their thoughts on the subject. Good God, folks, get a life! But to get to the heart of the matter, there is no better source than the fans themselves. (laughs) And this queen, John Paul King, goes and interviews all these dopes about their love of Wonder Woman. Here, I will give you one example, and then before, hold on. I had to slam my head into the desk before I could get through this. 
Possibly the most universal shared experience of gay men with the character is expressed by another gay Gen Xer, David Diaz, who tells us, I loved her as a comic book superhero before the TV show, but once she came to life so spectacularly on the screen, I was thoroughly entranced. Linda Carter was stunningly gorgeous, but she, you know this is a queen, but she played it straight and she never traded on her looks or sexuality like so many other female action heroes. And she wasn't an offshoot of some male hero like Supergirl or Batgirl. She was her own woman. This queen is man. And of course there was her transformation. Every time she spun around to change into Wonder Woman, I would do the same thing in my family living room. You see the rest of the family sitting there trying to watch Wonder Woman and this little queen's like spinning around. I think the idea of her metamorphosis from someone mundane and looked over to someone powerful and fabulous, and fabulous folks is in all caps, was incredibly empowering to me, even though I was years away from any real self-awareness of myself as a queer person, as opposed to everyone else in the room who watched you spin around like a little queen, I clearly had some semi-conscious understanding of it because I dreamed of being able to make that transformation myself. And I am done with that. Folks, ladies, girlfriends, it is a comic book character. You need to settle down. I'll tell you what. Last thing I want is a bunch of, of, of the gays turning into a bunch of dopey guys living in their parents' basement drooling over comic books. Stop it. Stop it right now, girls. Just stop it. Okay, we are well underway. And here is a BBC article. Wipe by Michael Max, before I get started, we did another hour and a half episode last time. I know these are all special episodes, the pre-Christmas episode, the post-Christmas episode. I guess this is the uh, the pre-New Year's episode, but I do not want this to be an hour and a half. Although we're probably going to be an hour and a half. So buckle up, folks. This is how it goes. Boy Scouts of America accuse Girl Scouts of starting war. Heavens. A recruitment drive by the Boy Scouts of America is proving highly damaging to the Girl Scouts lawyers acting for the latter organization. Say, let's find out more about that. The infringement meant that many parents mistakenly signed their daughters up for Boy Scouts, thinking it was Girl Scouts lawyers said. Well, it's anything Scouts these days, folks. There are no boys. There are no girls. There are seven genders, so they can... Be whatever they want to be. If they want to be a Boy Scout and they're a girl, or they think they're a girl, or they don't know if they're a girl, maybe they're a girl, maybe they're a unicorn, who knows, they can still join the Boy Scouts. In response, the Boy Scouts accused the Girl Scouts of starting a ground war. The Boy Scouts dropped the word boy from its <laughs> Yes, my head is in the desk again. And opened up to female members in 2018. And the good old days, White Boy Malcolm X, when the Boy Scouts was... For boys and the Girl Scouts were for girls. But with seven genders, you're going to have to open things up a little bit because you can't have the questioning <laughs> scouts. <laughs> Can you see that? We have the questioning scouts. We have the pansexual scouts. We have the gender fluid scouts. <laughs> Man, I am in trouble with the transgender community today. Okay, let's pick up on this. It said at the time that it was renaming the Boy Scouts program Scouts BSA as it prepared to allow girls to join, but the Girl Scouts said the change would erode their brand, calling the move uniquely damaging to them, filing an initial lawsuit in November 2018 against trademark infringement. Last month, lawyers acting on behalf of the Boy Scouts asked a judge to throw out the lawsuit, which suggested it could not use Scouts or Scouting in its recruitment materials for girls. 
In the latest filing at the Manhattan Federal Court on Christmas Eve, the Girl Scouts described the new recruitment program as highly damaging to its organization, having caused an explosion of confusion among parents. What do you think happens with the kids? As a result of the Boy Scouts' infringement, there have been rampant instances of confusion and mistaken instances of association between Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, the paper stated, adding that the organization could provide proof of such instances. In a statement released on Saturday, the Boy Scouts said this was not only inaccurate, with no legally admissible instance of this offer to date in the case, but it is also dismissive of the decisions of more than 120,000 girls and young women who have joined Cub Scouts or Scouts BSA. There you go, and I am not even going to read any more about this. So those two are going at it. Well, I just think the Girl Scouts are horribly, I don't know if I could call them sexist or what, but they only allow one of seven genders, and they're like one-seventh. And then the Boy Scouts, who are just whatever Scouts these days, they'll, they'll let anyone in. Like the bisexual. The bisexual. They'll do anyone. They'll just admit anyone. Sure. Come on in. We're not the Boy Scouts. We're the questioning Scouts. <laughs> Who cares? Okay. This is a Breitbart story. And here, look, oh my God. This has got to be a dumpster fire. Antifa to launch soccer league in Portland. <laughs> do these folks ever work for a living or they just, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know how they survive. They run around, they loot. I guess because they loot, they can probably sell crap. They loot and they burn, but they don't loot. And now they're, they're going to go play soccer. Perfect sport. <laughs> A perfect sport, folks, for these dopey, pansy little wimp boys. According to reports, Portland's Antifa chapter is looking to fill the time between riots by launching their own soccer league. Over the weekend, the group announced it was organizing the Antifa FC for football club and urged comrades to turn out for fun and exercise on Wednesday, as if looting and burning wasn't enough fun and exercise for that crowd. The group even started a new Twitter account. Oh, crap, I gotta follow them, white boy Malcolm X, and created a logo for the nascent league. The logo features a player performing a bicycle kick over the top of the Antifa Iron Front logo. According to the New York Post, 88 potential players signed up. The group brought its hate for Nazis, or those they consider to be Nazis. And if you're like, hmm, Miller, who would Antifa consider to be a Nazi? Well, anyone. Anyone that voted for Trump. Like 75 million Nazis running around this country. By telling fans to stay safe, stay dangerous, watch some soccer, and nutmeg a Nazi. Of course, to nutmeg is common British parlance for kicking, so they were urging fans to kick a Nazi, apparently. True to form, trouble already started for the Antifa Soccer League. And it has nothing to do, folks... You would think, well, did they burn the field yet? <laughs> no, not yet, but they will. After the organizers announced that they had a volunteer referee for the games, fans began tweeting back that all refs are bastards. <laughs> a riff on Antifa's favorite slogan, all cops are bastards. Indeed, the attacks on refs came in, so the league posted a tweet pleading for people to stop saying that all refs are bastards. Can you see that? Hey, guys, guys, I, I know we like to loot and burn and and injure police officers. But that's kind of our day job. Can we just have some fun and just allow the ref here? <laughs> Poor ref's going to get his ass beat. But the only question I have is, where are the Proud Boys? Because Proud Boys, if you're listening, you know where to go to kick some ass. Man. Man, oh man, I can't wait to see that. How many riots are they going to cause? Nurse suspended after stripping off PPE to have sex with COVID-19 patient. 
And I tell you what, nurses, folks, are in a lot of trouble these days. They are getting pounded for all these these stupid TikTok dances. And what do I always say? I just want to, every time I see a TikTok dancer, I just want to punch him in the face. But it looks like I had to go around the country punching half the nurses in the face. And I don't want to do that because, you know, Mama Frost is a retired nurse. So I don't want to do that. And I understand that I'm kind of a little bit conflicted here because, first off, I understand how how I'm sure it is a hellish environment right now in these in these ERs and these uh, ICU units to dealing with COVID patients. And they want to, you know, burn off some energy or burn off some frustrations and have a little bit of fun. I, I, I get that. But I have to say that it is a bit tone deaf <laughs> to be doing that. When people are dying all around you and, and, you and people can't go see their families, but you got time and they're always complaining about lack of PPE equipment. And so they're running around doing these stupid dances to compete with each other. And I just think it's tone deaf to to do that. But let's find out more about this because I don't really want to talk about dancing nurses. Let's find out about nurses having sex with COVID patients. God. A male nurse in Indonesia has been suspended after admitting that he stripped off his personal protective equipment to have sex in a toilet with a man infected with COVID-19, according to reports. This is gay sex in Indonesia, and I think that's a no-no. But I tell you what, I don't care how cute anyone is. I am not going to have sex with them and risk catching the COVID. (laughs) This dumb nurse was like, "Mm -mm, I don't care what he has. I'm going to get me some of that. It is true that there has been a suspected incident of a same-sex relationship between a health worker and a COVID-19 patient at the Wisma Atlet Emergency Hospital, said ASEP Gunawan of the National Nurses Association. ASEP. That is not a relationship. That is just a hookup. He said the nurse must follow legal processing the Indonesia expat reported. The incident in Jakarta came to light when the patient posted about the romp on his Twitter account on Friday, according to the UK Sun. So this queen with COVID. She's done gossiping to everyone on Twitter about her her nurse sex. He uploaded a screenshot of WhatsApp messages between the horny couple, including details. Listen to this white boy, Malcolm X. Details about lubricants and the size of their genitalia, the news outlet reported. Good God. I don't know. If you're hooking up out there, if you're talking about lube and whatever, equipment size. The patient also posted an image of the nurse's PPE lying on the floor as the pair got it on. This queen with the COVID, she done cut herself the COVID. She put herself in a hospital with the COVID, but she got enough energy to go have sex with the nurse and apparently take some pictures while she's doing it. And she is industrious. The case has been transferred to the Central Jakarta Police. We have secured the health worker to become a witness and ask for further information, said Lieutenant Colonel Arn Herwin of the Regional Military Command. Blah, blah, blah. If convicted, the men face prison sentences of up to 10 years. And then we'll get a lot of gay sex there as well. Here you go with that. Oh, good Lord. I got two of these articles? We're getting, we're getting close to the fun stuff. Here, this is a Breitbart article. BBC diversity executive white privilege is fact. White people will never be discriminated against for race. Man. Terminator's at it again. The race Terminator. BBC diversity chief June Sarpong has insisted that white privilege is a fact and white people will never be discriminated against for their race. It's kind of funny. I thought that's what affirmative action was. Sarpong, the London-born daughter of Guianan migrants, told The Telegraph that there is unfairness baked into our system. 
That is called white supremacy, dear. Not white privilege, but I guess it could be both. In an interview on her job as the publicly funded broadcaster's director of creative diversity. And what is her job? Telling white artists no. I don't for a single second say that all white people are privileged. Of course not. Well, honey, June, you need to get with that dopey basketball coach because he was going after the poor white people and saying they had the privilege. Now you're saying they're not. You both need to get on the same page. But there are benefits even if you come from a low income and you're white. You're never judged on your race, she claimed, as she's judging white people on their race. Adding, you may be discriminated against because of class. You may be discriminated against because of your age. You may be discriminated against because of gender, size, etc. But you will never be discriminated against because of your race. And that in itself feeds into the concept of white privilege. This is arguably not the case of the BBC, however, which frequently advertises so-called training opportunities and internships, which often pay more than a full-time job on the minimum wage, which white people and sometimes white men in particular are banned from applying for. Well, that's all right. Reverse discrimination is perfectly fine, folks. Ignore that. Sarpong, who is being paid £75,000 to work three days a week, <laughs> she is lazy, directing a £100 million fund to produce more diverse and inclusive content at the BBC, where minorities are already overrepresented and the white working class significantly underrepresented, went on to double down on her belief in the highly contentious area of white privilege, suggesting that many white people merely need to have their eyes open to it and they will be keen to atone. Well, June, for Christmas sake, you people never shut up about it, so... Trust me, our eyes are open to it, and we can't get enclosed, and we can't get a nap in because you just won't shut your dumb mouth. The thing about modern privilege is that if you're the beneficiary, often you're unaware that you're the beneficiary, and that's the whole point, isn't it? Because the default is white, and everything that isn't other, she said. And I think, actually, the minute many white people understand that, they stand up and say, my God, I never knew. I want to be part of the solution. <laughs> this chick should go coach in the NBA. Man, hold on. Sorry, folks, I had to bang my hand to the desk to get through this last paragraph. Sarpung has even released a book, well, that's convenient, titled The Power of Privilege, which lectures readers on the subject of how white people can challenge racism, which The Telegraph helpfully promoted in its interview article. Well, she's, she must be white boy Malcolm X. She must be the, the black version of Robin DiAngelo. And if, folks, if you don't know who Robin DiAngelo is, first... You need to listen to my podcast more often. But Robin DiAngelo is that white, dumb white chick that wrote White Fragility. And White Fragility is the book that white people are just racist. And they're racist no matter what. And it doesn't matter how woke they are. They're still racist in their bones. Like deep down in their DNA, they are racist. No matter what you do, folks, you are a racist if you are white. And so this chick is doing the same shtick. But I wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, if... She's paid as much as Robin D'Angelo for her book because we know, folks, that Robin D'Angelo used white privilege. She was giving a speech at an event and she got paid more than the black speaker at the same event. So she used white privilege to get paid more. So I wonder if she got more money for white fragility than June Sarpong got for the power of privilege, even though they said the same damn thing. White people suck. Done with that. Oh, yay. Folks, guess what? Guess what? We got a, we got one of our smoking gun stories. We got three of them today. I told you. It's like, great. We're going out with a bang. And uh-oh, this is a Louisiana story. Summit Mister, she is all over this episode. I'm going to get like 50 texts from her. Here it is. And here's the headline. No, it's Christmas. 
Suspect protests as she resists cops' attempt to arrest her. This dumb chick thinks you can get a get-out-of-jail-free card on Christmas. Let's find out about this going on in Louisiana. When a Louisiana cop, poor guy, I mean, he's probably not as put upon as a Florida cop, but I'm sure it's pretty bad down there. When a Louisiana cop early today informed her that she was under arrest for driving with a suspended license and a probation violation warrant, motorist Renee Whitten would have none of the patrolman Scrooge-like attitude. No, it's Christmas, Whitten said, as she turned away from Deputy Timothy Fisher and began to run from her vehicle, which was pulled over on a street in West Monroe around 4.35 a.m. And folks, what have I always said? No good. No good comes from being out after midnight. And I amended that to saying no good comes from being up after 2 a.m. even if you're in your own home. Whitten's getaway was brief, however. So wait by Malcolm X, this chick, she made a run for it, as Fisher noted in an arrest affidavit. Let's find out what happened. Whitten made it a very short distance before she ran into a parking lot sign and fell to the ground. The cop reported. This is a stupid chick. She get pulled over and she's like, I don't want to arrest it. It's Christmas. I'm not going to get arrested. And she goes running. Damn, she hits a freaking sign and fell down. Man, I bet that was, I bet that cop laughed his ass off. <laughs> kind of strolled over there and arrested her. Seen above. Look at this dopey. Look at her. Man, she looks every bit the part, folks. The 34-year-old Witten was then handcuffed by a laughing police officer and transported to jail, where she was booked on several charges, including, here we go, methamphetamine possession and resisting an officer. So this dopey chick is a meth addict. And that's probably why she hit the sign, because she was so strung out on crystal meth. Bond has not been set for Whitten, so it appears likely that she will spend Christmas Eve and Christmas behind bars. And so that's been like, what, five days? I don't know if she's gotten out, folks. This is an older story. According to court records, here we go. Here's her Here's her uh, litany of arrests. Whitten was arrested in late October for possession of meth, cocaine, and suboxone, whatever the hell that is, possession of drug paraphernalia, and illegal possession of a firearm. Those charges are pending. And Summit Mistress, if you're listening, I wonder if those are all misdemeanors. Because in Florida, folks, she would get away with about two days of community service, but I don't know if those are misdemeanors or not in in Louisiana. (laughs) Stupid. Poor meth junkie. Poor meth junkie made a run for it and smacked her ass into a sign. (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Fox News story. We are almost done, folks. We got um, about four stories left. And we're going to fly through some of those because the last two smoking gun stories are short. Detroit suing Black Lives Matter activists for civil conspiracy. The city of Detroit is trying a new tack during a year in which, like many other U.S. cities, saw violent protests and destructions in the streets. That is known as peaceful protest. Detroit has filed a lawsuit against Black Lives Matter activists alleging a civil conspiracy and claiming the protests in the city have repeatedly turned violent, endangering the lives of police and the public, according to reports. The city claims the activists participated in the conspiracy, defamed the mayor and police, and contends that the city should be awarded damages, The Intercept reported. The city cites four protests that occurred in the city this year and alleges that injuries to police officers included cracked vertebrae, lacerations, and concussions, according to the report. And we know, folks, we shouldn't care about the police officers because they are merely they are merely stormtroopers 
for upholding white supremacy and white privilege. The repeated violence should negate BLM protest group Detroit Will Breathe's claim. So that's the group's name, Detroit Will Breathe. Their claims that the demonstration should be protected under the First Amendment, the city asserts the report stated. The lawsuit was filed earlier this year as a counterclaim after activists sued the city in late August, alleging that police officers repeatedly responded with violence when demonstrators protested. God. City Police Chief James Craig responded at the time that his officers had never used force against any protesters who remained peaceful, which is none of the above. And since I want to keep this this podcast as, as short as possible, I'm not going to read any more of that. I tell you what, though, I Detroit got smart. They were probably seeing all that money that Black Lives Matter is making. They're pulling in millions of bucks in these in these contributions from woke companies. And Detroit's like, how do we get in on that? <laughs> show us the money. Don't show them those dopey kids. Those folks are burning down cities. Give us the money. We got to rebuild these things. Man, oh man. Yeah, I'm gonna just keep that one short. I don't really care. Okay, folks. Here is our second of three smoking gun stories. And how's this headline? Chili's workers do not talk about sex and dildos while you dine. I hope not. They're doing it to Chili's. Meet Derek Reedy. And look at that, white boy Malcolm X. Derek Reedy, folks, is just a dopey, pudgy white guy. The Tennessee man. So now we, folks, we have moved from Louisiana to Tennessee, which is kind of between Louisiana and Florida. The Tennessee man was arrested yesterday for a harebrained scheme to defraud a Chili's. Of all places to want to defraud. Chili's with their delicious baby back ribs. According to a Kingsport Police Department report, Reedy admitted fabricating a story that two Chili's workers were talking sexually about sex and dildos while he and his wife were eating. Reed, 22. Damn, that white boy Malcolm X, that, that dopey, pudgy white guy, is he looks rough. A very rough 22, folks. Bless his heart. Allegedly did this in a bid to extract a refund for the meal while a Chili's manager did not part with cash. He did give Reed $70 in gift certificates. So if I understand this, folks, Derek Reedy goes into the Chili's and he's like, oh, can, I, can I speak to the manager, please? And, they, you know, they, you know, they go off and get the manager. And the manager's like, can I help you? And he's like, well, sir, I was I was sitting here um, with my wife and your servers, sir, were, were, were talking about were sex and dildos. And we were very, very offended. It's horrible. I I couldn't believe what my ears were hearing. Sex and sex and dildo. What does that say about Derek Reedy? Sex and dildos. Hmm. I wonder if that's a. I wonder if that's a little far off from the, what goes on at home. Probably not. And so the manager's like, I got a weirdo here talking about sex and dildos. My employer here. Here's seventy bucks, guy. Go away. And guys, oh, thank you. I was just very offended about the sex and dildos. Okay, here, seventy bucks. Go, 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 go. Subsequently. Stuff's only in Tennessee, folks. This is, you know, the folks in Florida are not so low rent. And they are, don't get me wrong, they're low rent. But they are not so low rent that they're going to go into a Chili's, try to extort a Chili's over a, a mythical sex and dildo story. That is B-rate nonsense that if folks in Florida have more common sense than to pull, try to pull that off. Subsequently, the manager called cops after he discovered that the suspect attempted this as several other businesses. <laughs> Those poor folks in Tennessee got to hear about sex and dildos all over the place. Confronted by police, Reed admitted he lied about the incident in an attempt to obtain money or compensation. He was charged with fraud and transported to the Kingsport Jail for booking and safekeeping. 
I don't know how safekeeping he's going to get in jail, but he can talk about sex and dildos with the other inmates. Two stories to go. And how's this as a runner-up to the last story of the day, White Boy Malcolm X? This is from Pink News. And how is this? Proud top Daniel Newman takes horny on Maine to the next level as he joins OnlyFans. And if you folks are out there going, who the hell is Daniel Newman, Miller? He was um he was a ginger actor. The only thing I know him on is The Walking Dead. But they um he was such a B-rate character, they offed him, he was done. And so now I guess I guess he must be broke and need the money. He's going on because we had the story, what, about a month ago where the the highest paid prostitute in the United States, she worked at some bunny ranch in Nevada. She was making like a million bucks a year. She was um she was having a lot of fun, apparently, for a million bucks a year, and she went on OnlyFans to make ends meet, and I guess Daniel, now that The Walking Dead is done, and that Walking Dead money is, you know, long since been spent, he needs to become a thirst trap and put some pics on uh, OnlyFans. So let's find out, almost an Instagram, but, you know, you ain't making money there, OnlyFans. Let's find out about more about what Daniel Newman, a proud top, is saying. In a true Christmas miracle, Daniel Newman... And before I even get started, look at this, White Boy Malcolm. I'm talking about thirst traps. Not only I'm not even showing you the picture. <laughs> he's a good-looking guy. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say he's ugly. I mean, I wouldn't kick that out of bed. But I don't know if I'd leave crackers either. In a true Christmas miracle, Daniel Newman announced Friday that he has joined OnlyFans, but stressed that it won't be X-rated. And no, let me just clear the air right now. I have not been on OnlyFans to see Daniel Newman's pics. The bisexual, oh god, that's right, I forgot, this is, this guy came out too, and came out as bisexual, and what are bisexuals, they'll do anyone, but this guy kind of, I figured, I guess he thought it would kind of help reboot his career, and that didn't work, so now he's on OnlyFans, but anyway, the bisexual Walking Dead star, who's been killed off because he was kind of D-list, and out and proud Dom Top is the latest celebrity, and I don't know what that's about, and I don't want to know what that's about, is the latest celebrity to join the platform which sees users pay content that can range from pictures to videos. Newman uploaded 32 pictures and videos in less than 24 hours, with some requiring a fee to unlock and see the content in full. And I have not, folks, I have not gone to see this Ginger's Picks. Let's have some fun, exclamation point, he wrote on social media, noting that his account on the platform will be PG to maybe R-rated, though. Just warning, no X, Merry Christmas, and definitely all photoshopped. It came after Newman39 joked earlier this month what his OnlyFans handle name should be, with users suggesting everything from Daniel Nude Man to OnlyDance. <laughs> I am not even going to continue reading this. So, Daniel Newman, folks, if you are into 39-year-old ginger bisexuals, <laughs> Daniel Newman whose career has sank faster than the Titanic, is now on OnlyFans so he can get a couple bucks. I'm done with him. Whatever. And here we are, folks, with our last story of 2020. Thank God this year is almost over. What a mess of a year, a hot mess of a year. And here is the headline, Fetishist Nabbed in Carlot. So with our smoking gun stories, folks, we went from Louisiana with the dopey meth addict who tried to run away from the cop and smacked her head and whatever on a sign and fell to the ground, got arrested. We went from there to Tennessee with the guy talking about sex and dildos at a Chili's, 
trying to extort of all of all godforsaken places a Chili's. But the folks at Applebee's are laughing. <laughs> oh, God. But now we're back in Louisiana for fetishist nabbed in Carlot. Let's find out what kind of nutty is going on in Louisiana again. I guess I guess the Christmas holiday, the folks in Florida just they like you know what we'll just we'll take some time off. <laughs> we just need a break. Get to the end of the year. But don't worry, folks. Florida will be back. Back and better than ever in 2021. Meet John Hudson. And look at that, white boy Malcolm X. I know. He's kind of cute, folks. He is, um, he's 18, though, white boy Malcolm X. You never get a boy to do a man's job, that's what I say. He is perfect teacher bait. I'll tell you what. If this kid's in high school, I bet he has banged pretty much all the teachers at his school. Two days after celebrating his 18th birthday... The Louisiana man was arrested last Thursday night on obscenity and trespassing charges. Hudson was nabbed at the Hickson Autoplex in Monroe, where cops discovered him wearing women's lingerie and fishnet stockings. So this 18-year-old boy is running around, I guess a car dealership, wearing women's lingerie and fishnet stockings. And if you think, Miller, that is one heck of a story. I've had enough. Well, guess what, folks? No, there's more. And there's more. Listen to this. Hudson explained that he was masturbating in the parking lot and that he had a a fetish. So this kid is at a car dealership in women's lingerie and fishnet stockings defiling himself. <laughs> a further description of that fetish is not contained in the Monroe Police Department report. Thank God, because I am not reading that on this show. That is enough of an image. This cute little kid running around with women's lingerie and fishnet stockings doing the whatever with himself. However, the document does note that Officer Roderick Canley observed pornographic magazines, women's clothing, lotion. And a pink dildo with pubic hairs on it between two cars on the Hickson lot. So he is defiling himself, folks. Six ways to Sunday at a car dealership. <laughs> of all the places to do that hot mess, you go to... He is so freaking weird. I mean, if you want to put on women's lingerie, fishnet stockings, and get a porno magazine and a dildo, and I, none of my business, I don't care. <laughs> to do it at the car dealership, I'm assuming that's what the fetish is. He had to do it at the car dealership. I wonder what kind of cars they were. Hudson was booked at the Ochuita Correctional Center, however you pronounce that. I'm sure Summit Mistress will tell me. He was released after spending about five hours in custody. And so, on that note, folks, I'm going to plug pull 2020. I, I cannot. I literally, I think this might be better than Bud Light Mike, even though Bud Light Mike was probably the quintessential smoking gun story. An 18-year-old in fishnets and lingerie defiling himself many times over at a car dealership in Louisiana. Is it? I'm done. Folks, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope all of you have a a fun and safe New Year's. I will be in bed by 9 or 10 o'clock and follow my rules. No good comes from being out after midnight or being up after 2 a.m. in your own home. So stay out of trouble. We're going to be back here, White by Malcolm X, and I will be back here next Sunday, this coming Sunday, for our first episode of 2021. In the meantime, be safe, take care, and we will see you again soon.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.